Company Watch Financial Analytics. Welcome to the Company Watch Coronavirus Podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. <laughs> Morning, Joe. We're recording today's episode on Friday, the 24th of July. As promised last week, we thought we would spend a bit of time looking under the hood of the summer statement and the OBR fiscal sustainability reports. Um, In particular, the OBR made some worrying comments on the danger of business indebtedness and the dampening effect that that's likely to have on business investments over coming years. Um, We also thought we'd pick up a little bit on some research published in The Guardian and The Evening Standard on jobs. The Guardian has published an excellent tracker looking at redundancies announced by key sector um, and that, I think, uh, this morning was up to almost 150,000 um, since March. So that's, that's clearly a huge, huge figure. Um, and the Evening Standard has conducted some pretty heroic research into the FTSE 100, asking about return to office plans for UK employees. And I'd say it, it still feels like we're a little bit in limbo um, with Andy Haldane, the chief economist at the Bank of England, claiming vindication for his sharp V-shaped recession, although I think it's important to say that he is in a minority. Um, and until we get the June GDP numbers, which are due to be published on the 12th of August, I think it is still possible to argue both sides. And we've had, even this morning and last night, we've had some contradictory figures, haven't we? We've had the June retail sales looking better than expected, but then all the, the trendy um, payment data and card transaction data that Haldane is, is really um, championing is looking pretty ropey. So I think we'll, we'll pick up on that and see if we can draw any, any conclusions. But I think we're, we're looking a bit frustrated because there's lots of mixed signals. And I think our instinct... Um, as, as regular listeners will know, is that we tend to be on the more pessimistic side of, of what recovery is looking like. Um, so Nick, where, where should we start? <laughs> well, let's very briefly start with those um, ONS numbers on retail sales, because um, retail pundits like me tend to refer to the ONS as planet ONS, because none of us ever believe the numbers that come out of there. So um, uh, there are other trackers of retail sales that will come out over the the, um, the next couple of weeks, and we'll we'll see what they show. But I wouldn't read anything into the June figures and until what is we've that? seen that's July. Thirteen point nine percent increase from May, isn't it? I think that's what they're they're saying. Yeah, but um, until until somebody tells me um, what the returns figures in June have been, right. I won't believe anything because you know people, a lot of people queuing outside Primark. <laughs> Um, on the news were queuing to return goods, may have bought stuff as well, but returning goods. Anyway, yeah. so I, I think, you know, big health warning on those on those retail numbers. Yeah. And um, I suppose actually the, the, on the Bank of England data, on that on that payment system data, there that's looking like um, the week to the 19th of July was down 25%. And this is card yes. and payment data compared to the same week in, in 2019. Um, and, you know, comparatively, the June figures, the equivalent figures, it was a drop of 13%. So that is showing a, a definitely a, a kind of worsening trend. Yes, yeah, so we, we've, we've got some read across um, from a survey by the British Chambers of Commerce, which we'll come on to in a, oh, yes, in a minute, yes, which tends yeah. to support the theory that um, uh, things are not rising inexorably um, back towards the um, sunny uplands. Mm. Um, Let's start with the IFS and uh, Rishi Sunak's uh, summer statement in his thirty billion plan for jobs, um, much heralded. Um, uh, it, it, 
it's very simple. The IFS have, you know, pulled up the drains, had a good look and come back and said something very simple. Um, yes, it's worthwhile. Yes, it's worthy. Yes, it's a big plan. But no, it's not 30 billion because it's more like 20 billion because the other 10 billion is actually money diverted from underspends on other planned projects. Right. So yeah. as always with government numbers, you know, there's a, a real tendency to keep on announcing the same thing and, and pretending it's all new money. Yeah. So and you get dazzled, don't you? Dazzled by the headline number. Oh, 30 billion. Great. I mean, 20 billion is yeah. also great, but it ain't 30 billion. Yeah. Um, so let's put that one to one side. Um, the, the, my really big focus, um, the thing that worries me as it does the OBR, is business investment. Now, let's start from some ONS data, which I do think is reliable, which shows that the business investment at the end of 2019 was no higher than it had been at the end of 2016 at constant prices. So if you strip out inflation. So it, it implies that business investment was pretty weak before we went into the pandemic. When you look at the OBR's fiscal sustainability report, you know, there are three scenarios, um, rosy up, up, upside, central downside, uh, central scenario and downside. Whichever way you look, business investment is going to take a while to recover. Even with the upside scenario, you don't get back to Q4 2019 levels until Q2 next year, 2021. Yeah. But I don't think anybody believes that's like. No, I think that is that is too rosy, isn't it? That that upside. Absolutely. In the central scenario, you won't be back to 2019 investment levels until the autumn of 2022, which is mm. over two years away. Yeah. And in the downside scenario, which is I think where we tend to be, um, and bear in mind this is all pre-Brexit. Well, this so assumes actually a Brexit deal as well. It but, assumes I mean, a Brexit deal. And we know know, from the the news yesterday that is not looking. I mean, there's I'm sure there's there's always a brinkmanship and everything, but it's not looking great. But but in in the downside scenario, the OBR is saying we won't be back to 2019 levels of investment until the second quarter of 2023, which is three years years away. Mm. Now the problem here is it's I mean it's quite easy to see what's going on here. Businesses are having to spend big time on special COVID-related measures, and that's just to do the same as pre-pandemic, but in many cases to do a lot less. Mm. Um, And and so the the need to divert resources, financial resources, towards pandemic-related measures of all sorts is crowding out genuine business investment. And there was a wonderful quote by um, David Smith in the Sunday Times last weekend, who wrote a, a very insightful piece about this. And, and I quote him as saying, forced extra spending alongside reduced turnover is a pretty deadly combination. Hallelujah to that. Um, wow. And I would add my own comment to that, which is, you know, we need to get real about this. Without enough business investment, there won't be any GDP growth. There won't be any job creation and there won't be any wealth creation. So, you know, this is not a pretty scene. We're all worried about profitability and turnover and staffing. 
Well, we're running about survival, isn't it? It's about the kind of short-term yeah. survival, which, and that kind of metamorphoses into longer-term sustainability, doesn't it? That's, and that's I, right, and you know, and, and and we all know that the businesses that su- succeed are the ones that um, invest. Yeah. End but of story. The, the other interesting thing is again, you know, this indebtedness, and it's not only that um, companies are, are spending money on these um, pandemic planning; it's also that that ticking time bomb of the bounce back and the sea bills loans that will have to be paid back. Now, there's an interesting you picked up on some yeah. quite interesting ideas Fasc- around this. Fascinating idea. Um, uh, this um, some city banks got together and they've um, proposed to the treasury. That you look that they should look at these C bills and the bounce back loans as being a bit like student loans. So they should be that their repayment should not be in any sort of fixed pro, uh, program. They should park them and businesses and, and, and look at them a little bit. Uh, the, the, the word that the banks used was see them as tax obligations. So turn them into tax obligations. Right. And they should be repaid only based on the profitability of the business of the borrower in the future. Mm. Uh, The Treasury has um, kindly acknowledged this because it listens to the banks and has said, we'll think about it. We'll see. We don't know know whether that... But it it does seem to be a more sensible way in terms of encouraging growth and encouraging um, businesses not to be... With that, with that kind of millstone of, of debt well, around their neck, that Joe, Joe, some uh, I've seen various estimates, but the kindest estimate I've seen is that the banks will end up writing off half of the bounce back loans wow. and thirty percent of the C bills. Wow, it's a lot. Exactly. And bear in mind, you know, it doesn't doesn't hurt the bank. It it, um, it, it, it hurts a huge hole in the public finances. It hurts the government, but of course, what it does is destroy the company. Mm. Because in writing in writing them off, the company will go bust, Very jobs bad. will be lost. Yeah. <coughs> oh, pardon yeah. me. So um, that's very interesting. Um, you referred also to the um, the Guardian Jobs Tracker survey, and that's fascinating. And and, and I do um, uh, you know I do advise people to keep an eye on that because assuming it continues and assuming the software works, yes, we had a few glitches didn't we last night? Yeah, um, they break down the. Um, uh, they they track the announcement of, of job losses from major major companies, and as you said, they're up to 150k in the pandemic. Um, but they also um, have got fascinating uh, sector breakdown of the number of people furloughed out of the total workforce in that sector. Yeah, that is and, and interesting. That's quite a nice graphic. They don't frustratingly they don't actually put the the um, percentages, but you can more or no, less work you can, out. You can, you, it's, um, it's very visual. You can yeah. see it. And the one that caught my eye was not um, retail or hospitality, which of course we know have had to furlough huge numbers of people. It was manufacturing. And if I read the graphic right, manufacturing in the UK furloughed around forty percent of staff, which is mind blowing. That is big, isn't it? That is, you know, it's because big. you know. Uh, uh, of course, manufacturing businesses were affected, but my reading was that, generally speaking, they were the first back into production, maybe mm. not full production. Um, and of course, they've got issues with with demand and activity levels. But boy, oh boy, does that sa- send a bad message about manufacturing yeah. going forward? We've also yes. had in the last week, in fact, I think it came out uh, Tuesday, I can't remember now, um, British Chambers of Commerce, um, they run a coronavirus business impact tracker. Right. And in they surveyed, um, they, well, they got responses 
to a survey of 750 businesses for the week. Uh, it was done during the week 6th to the 10th of July, so it's quite current. Yep. The overall average across those 750 respondents showed that these companies are operating at 53% of pre-COVID capacity. And you said this is in July, isn't it? Where this is July. You know, we, we should be... It's not May, it's not June, back. Mm. it's July. But we don't know the sectors, is that right? We don't know the sector breakdown. We don't know the sectors. Okay. 46% of the respondents, and this is the one that really mm. goes back to the, uh, you know, the, what we've already talked about earlier about where are we going in mm. July after June. 46% of the respondents were showing a drop in revenue from UK customers in July compared to June. So turnover's dipping. Yeah. So we've, we uh, that is more in that kind of balance that that pent up demand was. Yeah. And, 30, the and a 30% drop in, in, turn, in revenue from overseas customers. Gosh. Mm. As well. There was a 56% reported a drop in cash flow. And um, one for the, um, for our friend Philip King at the um, Small Business Commissioner, who I know mm. is really on this case. 43% of the respondents uh, reported an increase in late payments. Yeah. And yeah. that is that is just so hard for small businesses to deal with where where cash flow is so important. And it's, you know, they've actually they've actually been able to provide a service or goods and they're not being paid for it. And that is the thing that's really gonna um, I, I know, be and the, devastating. You know, the small business uh, commission commissioner's office, you know, has staff, they run around, they they talk to non-payers, they recovered uh, money for small businesses, but blimey, you know, uh, it's they can't handle all of this. And, mm. you know, the more big businesses don't pay small businesses, the more small businesses won't be there. Yeah. And that just no, blows a hole a, in supply chains, doesn't it? It blows a hole in supply chains because there's so many yeah. small businesses that are the lifeblood of the economy and the lifeblood of supplying those bigger businesses. So ab- ab- Absolutely right. Effect. Um and I think the last thing we ought to focus on before I've got a I've got a rather doom laden um, comment about insolvency practitioners, um, <laughs> the Evening Standard survey you talked about. They wrote to or contacted all one hundred FTSE one hundred companies and asked them about their plans for returning staff into their offices. Yeah, fifty three of them replied, and amazingly, the Evening Standard published at least online all the responses all 53 of them and uh, the summary of it is that none of these companies expect all their staff to come back into their offices full time so it's a major change yeah. in working patterns doesn't surprise any of us but you're seeing it in black and white from major employers mm. many of them still do not have a fixed plan for getting any significant number of their staff back into offices this year. Astonishingly, you know, the one that stands out, BAE Systems still has 34,000 of their 44,000 staff working from home. Wow. Absolutely amazing. Wow. Absolutely amazing. And, you think about and, the, in- the IT infrastructure uh, required, especially in the insensitive. I mean, goodness, it makes the... You know, the security mind- sensitivity and the yeah. encryption and all the rest of that. And, of course, what all this says is it, this has real implications for those service businesses that supply offices and support offices. And it has equally big 
issues for consumer-facing businesses in city centres, like the West End and particularly the city yeah, of London, for example, yeah. Canary Wharf. You know. I mean, actually, anecdotally, we're, we're still working from home, but um, one of my colleagues who does go into the office um, occasionally says that, you know, those, those squares, those garden squares, it's con- um, construction workers who are there, not office workers. No, not anything else. So, you know, so that tells you a lot about, um, you know, what's happening in the working, uh, mm. uh, in, in, in the working routine, in our working routines. And let me just close with... Um, uh, a little nobody would ever get a, a violin out and play it um, for insolvency practitioners but i've been doing i've been talking to a lot of my old insolvency practitioner mates and they are utterly terrified of what is coming down the track at them mm. next year um they're doing a lot of advisory work but nobody is going bust i mean you really do have to work terribly hard to go bust at the moment yeah. we discussed it in the last we did um, and we've got those eula figures um eula hermes saying yeah. um something uh, like astonishing number of um of yeah. i mean gen- general view, general view across the profession is they will not be able to cope mm. and we'll end up with some sort of um patch um system for fast tracking insolvencies like there was in the Asian banking crisis back in 2007, 2008, 2009 on that. But as I say, nobody's going to weep for insolvency practitioners over, overworked and overstressed. So, uh, yeah, but even so it's, it's quite, it's, that's um, something to, it, to be. It, it's actually about. a worry from a creditor's point of view, from a supplier's point of view, mm. because um, you know, who's going to do the asset recovery, which is going to get you maybe something back, maybe only one, two, three, four, five P in the pan. Who's going to do it? Yeah. And also if- we've got the other issue about HMRC not really wanting to be the the the, the person that actually causes the insolvency right. proceedings to start. And they typically would be the because they're obviously paid monthly, yep. quarterly with VAT and everything. So and, and they would typically be the um the first actor in in these events and if that is being delayed then the outcome for creditors potentially is worse if if companies are allowed to trade beyond the time that they would normally um trade so i think that's something to be very very conscious about i know i know i know but Um, um, anyway there we are now you very kindly yes i've handed over the reins (laughs) just for once i got to do the wrap-up yes indeed on, on 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 this and actually i've tried to reduce it to a very simple thought about where we are um, uh, and about where we're going. And the signs, it seems to me, are clearly there now that the road back to economic normality is still steeply uphill, winding and full of potholes. And this is now, you know, we're now a week away from the furlough scheme starting to unwind. Yes, of course, it's August, isn't it? That's where, where the, it's the August. tapering would start. And, and, and you know, we're already seeing triggers for um, redundancies. Yeah. You know, it's already happening in sectors like retail and hospitality, retail in particular. Mm. Just watch this fan out as, you know, it's not that, what is it in August? 5% is the extra em- employee uh, contribution. 5% won't make a difference but it will make finance directors and boards of companies sit down and think about it. Yeah. And they'll be looking at the figures in the way we have and looking at what is this telling us about the recovery? And I think your, your point that it is not a, a not one of those nice sharp V's that, um, that the 
Bank of England have been <laughs> Andy Haldane has been 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 talking about. So the man, yeah. the, man with, the man with the drawer full of happy pills. Yeah. Yes, that one. Yeah. That one. So so that's my thought. It's it's depressing, but equally we need to be mindful that a lot of figures coming at us June, uh, July. Um, we'll be getting in the next month, six weeks. Um, it'd be interesting to look back on what we're saying now in six weeks' time and see whether our view has changed. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, um, Nick. It's been a, a, a really um, interesting morning, as always. Um, we will continue to record over the summer, but we might find that our weekly schedule of recording becomes a little bit more erratic. Um, so we'll keep you on your toes a bit um, with when we release these these podcasts. Um, so I think all that's left for me to do is say thank you all for listening. Thank you very much to, to Nick for your excellent Thanks. contribution, as always. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.